Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our pastor, Micah Shepline, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. Amen. We're going to be talking about bridge building part two today. And really, essentially, last week, if you weren't here, you should check it out on YouTube, Road to Life Church. Uh, We have a YouTube page, and there's a... My, my Pastor Mike talked about it really well last week. Essentially what we're talking about is building the bridge between your reality and your dreams. You know, I remember growing up, uh, really sixth, seventh grade, I had a home economics teacher, Mrs. Mann, and she was, she was up there in age. And uh, I remember we, she first day asked all of us what we want to be when we grow up, and every dude in the class answered either MLB, NBA, or NFL. And then kind of tongue-in-cheek, she looked at us and was like, all right, now let's talk realistically, guys. Like, because none of you are going to make it. She actually, she said this. She said, you know, I've been teaching here for forever. She'd been there. She said, I've had one person come through who made it that far. One person. And I was like, don't don't crush my dreams. I'm going to make it. Like 62 pounds in eighth grade, right? (laughs) Like, you you shut your mouth, devil. (laughs) Making it, Right? I didn't make it. Um, Anyway, but it's just funny because, like I said, we have reality, and then we've got dreams, and I think that kind of even summarizes us in our adult life sometimes, is we have this idea of, man, I would really love to do this, and then we have our reality, and we're just like, well, I'd really love to do that, but I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to. I don't know if I'll ever have the time or the resources, or I don't know if I'll ever really get there, and Here's the deal. It's, it's neither this nor that today. What we're really talking about is this idea behind really what God does in unlocking our destiny and potential that takes our reality and gives us a practical build, bridge to start building into our dreams. That's what we're talking about. And there were a couple passages of scripture that really stuck out last week. And if you're here, you're going to know these. But these really framed a lot of our conversation because I'll be honest, this doesn't happen to me very often. But as Pastor Mike was talking last week and as I was taking notes, the Lord kind of gave me a download of one scripture that turned into five things that turned into the whole, this whole sermon in about 10 minutes. Right there in the back, I typed it up. And, and really, I would venture to say that a lot of us, I hope that we don't come here and we just receive and it's like, all right, good, sweet, peace, have a good day. But we really actively look inside of our own lives, inside of our own realities and say, all right, God, is there something you're asking me to do? Is there something I need to walk out in? Is there something that's coming against or counteracting what you're wanting to do? See, when we come into contact with the word of God and it actually changes us and we come in more likeness with him, That's really where fullness comes from. That's where our wholeness comes from. That's where every, the whole entity of following God is about really our souls and our spirits being satisfied. Because we know this, when we chase culture, when we chase this this superficial, narcissistic, and and self-gratifying world, we just never arrive at anything. We always search and never find. We always think we're going to get there, and then when we get there, we realize, dang, we didn't get anything. And so what we're talking about is building this bridge from truly our reality into our dreams. Because here's the deal. Maybe this is the first place we start today where you ask God, God, what is the dream that you have for my life? Because here's the deal. If we take the dreams of this world and apply it to us, we realize that we end up at a destination that really didn't do anything for us. But when you chase the God-designed dream, Married with your passion, married with your DNA, married with the Holy Spirit. When you chase that reality, that's where fullness and wholeness comes in. 
So what I want to do is, right, I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture that the Pastor Mike talked to, to about with us last week. And it, this was the first one. Proverbs 24, verse 3, wise people are builders. They build families, businesses, communities, and through intelligence and insight, their, uh, their enterprises are established and endured. Man, this is a huge one, right? I'll be honest. It's really easy, I feel like, in this day and age to establish something, and it's a whole other thing to endure it. I mean, a lot of us, if we're, we want to establish and do all of these things, but to be able to tangibly endure and walk through and follow and consistently push and say, all right, God, I'm coming after this dream. I'm not slowing down. I'm not standing by. I'm not deferring it. But God, I know that you have established this dream and I will endure to see its completion. That's the place that God's called us to live in. You know what obedience is, right? Or you know what faithfulness is? is? It's obedience in the same direction over and over and over and over and over. That's what faithfulness is. And a lot of the time, right, Mrs. Mann could have stood up there, my home economics teacher, and said, all right, guys, you want to make it to the NFL? You need to start lifting weights, eating a lot, and even then you may not make it. But at least we got a direction to run towards. And I think a lot of the times when we talk about dreams, we throw them out there and we won't run in the direction of them. It's like we go, God, why aren't you doing this for me? And he's like, because I've given you my word and I've given you my spirit that can, that can activate a lifestyle of walking out towards that dream, but it's your choice to do it. And so that, that passage of scripture was huge that he talked about, but this was the one that really brought about what we're going to talk about today. And it's in John chapter 6, verse 27. It said, why would you strive for food that is perishable? And not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life, which never spoils. I, the Son of Man, am ready to give you what matters most. For God the Father has destined me for this purpose. I want to give you what matters most. I want to give you the thing that never perishes. I want to give you the thing that gives you significance. I want to give you a thing that doesn't spoil, that doesn't go bad, that doesn't expire but it matters and gives you purpose. These are Jesus' words. Right? It got me thinking about this passage. And this, once again, really these are passages that Pastor Mike talked about last week. Once another shout out. Listen to it if you want because that's the first part of what we're talking about today. But the second part, right, this is where really it kind of took me. I thought about this passage and this really is the foundation of what we're talking about. It's in John 4, 31 to 34. It says, this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, many of us, we read the Bible and we're like, oh, Jesus, you know, Rabbi should eat. Yeah, duh. I'm going to be honest. I'm preaching three services to get today. You better believe when I walk out that door, the first thing I'm doing is getting food. I don't miss meals. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I am not one of those guys missing meals. I'm not. When I'm done, when, here's the deal. What you got to realize is Jesus is, if somebody walks up to you and says, hey, you need to eat, let's be realistic. If people are noticing that you haven't eaten, chances are you haven't eaten. Jesus is sitting there, and he's ministering, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and his disciples probably, after a while, looked at each other, and they're like, has this guy ate today, or this week, or this year, or ever? You know, no offense, like if I look at somebody and say, hey, have you eaten? It's because I'm looking at their disposition and saying, wow, they look like they don't eat. And so they're looking at Jesus like, hey, has this guy gotten anything in the tank? Because I don't know how he's rolling. Because if he don't got anything in the tank, I mean, and listen, listen to Jesus' response. He says this. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So his disciples are like, he got food to eat that we don't know about. So then they look around. Next verse, it says this, right? So the disciples turn to each other. Has anyone brought him something to eat? <laughs> Who got it? Has anybody, has somebody go through Wendy's, get him that new pretzel pub burger? Right? We got the four for four, what, a $5 foot long? Like, what's going on? Who got Jesus the food? Right? And then it says this. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Another term that he says is my nourishment is to do the will of the Father. So what we have is we have a, the disciples talking in a physical sense and Jesus talking in a spiritual one. And we're going to marry those realities really quickly. Essentially, what's going on? They're looking and saying, you don't have what you need to physically get good, to continue going. And God goes, no, but I have what I need spiritually to get through anything. And man, here's the deal. We live our lives going, all right, I need physically to do these things to survive. And God says, no, you need to spiritually do these things to thrive. And some of us, what we do is we weigh our reality within the realm of the physical. And God's essentially challenging his disciples here to not look at the physical, but to find the nourishment that will satisfy their soul. Man, and this is a hard paradigm to shift towards because when we talk about the spiritual and the physical, yes, there's some crossover, but really the, the focus is completely different. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, listen, you're thinking about what's going to get you by physically, but I want to get you by spiritually to a point where you can run and not grow weary. You can walk and not grow faint. How many of us have ever eaten something that we thought would sustain us, but it didn't? What do I mean by this? Nobody goes up to the fridge and goes, opens the door and says, all right, what's going to be the least sustaining thing in here? Nobody does that. Nobody goes, all right, you know, me and my fiance, all right, let's eat something and let's eat so we can be hungry in 30 more minutes. Hey, you know what? Let's pick something that we know is not going to respond well with us. Let's, let's pick that one out. Like none of us are looking and say, all right, I want to get the least sustaining thing. I want to get something that won't satisfy. I want to make sure that I have something in the tank that will run me out in two minutes. Nobody says that. But once again, we're drawing parallels. But how do we live our lives spiritually? Filling our souls with things that don't satisfy. Living a lifestyle that doesn't nourish our spirit. You know, a few years ago, there was a guy... Uh, I, I kind of, we had a community house and I, I oversaw it with a bunch of guys. There was a guy over at my house and he was really hungry before bed. And Justin, who uh, manages all of our facilities here, he's a good buddy of mine. He, he, had, he came up to Justin and I was already asleep and he said, hey man, I'm really hungry. Do you guys have anything here I can eat? And Justin said, yeah, I got some B-dubs, but Justin likes hot food. It's blazing, which if you don't know what that is on the scale, that's the hottest sauce you can buy at B-dubs. I mean, I'm talking when you open up the top, they're like the wings were fluorescent red, like they were glowing with fire. And, and naturally, this, this guy does not eat hot food, but he's hungry and looking for something that will satisfy. So he eats the entire box. Now, was it painful? Yes. But did his stomach feel good? Yeah, it felt good. Problem is, at 3 a.m., when he decided to get up and send that everywhere into my home, he found out the hard way that he ate something that wasn't satisfying. 
And what's funny is I remember I wake up at 7 a.m. and the vacuum's going on right outside my door. I'm like, dude, we are, live, we are all college-age dudes. There is nobody vacuuming at 7 a.m. in here. Like, I am, I am 24. There is no way somebody's vacuuming at 7 a.m. in here. I'm the oldest one here. No way. Right? It's like, I walk out and my walls and my carpet, fluorescent red, glowing. He decided to wake up, hand over his belongings. That's a pun. Get, call his parents and get picked up and leave it till the next morning. And then guess what? We all cleaned it up. And by we, I watched everybody else clean it up. I was like, yo, what? My carpet still had a teeny little pink shade to it when I sold that house. Sorry, dude. He's over there. My house was like less than a quarter mile away. Anyway, what am I saying? I'm saying that if we live our lifestyle of just looking and trying to satisfy ourselves with things that actually don't satisfy, that actually won't bring us nourishment, that actually, they, they maybe give us a feeling of fullness in a moment, but then they're gone. We've missed it. We've missed it. We have to be people who search out the things that bring us fullness and wholeness. How many of you guys know, man, I'm not going to lie, on Thanksgiving when I eat, I got to take a three-hour nap, and I still wake up full. I mean, the goal of following God is that he fills us so much that anything else we don't even have room for. That's right. Our spirits are so full of the revelation and of the Holy Spirit that we don't even have room for anything else. But man, that's a hard place to be in. And so what I want to do today is I just want to introduce something that I'm calling, right? The five-course meal of spiritual fulfillment. And why do I say that? Because when I say five courses, you know you are not leaving hungry. Does that make sense? Right? If I looked at all you guys and I said, all right, after service, Earl Cooper has supplied a five-course meal for everybody in here. Let's head right out there and we got it. We're good. All of you guys would be like, the rest of the service, you're checked out. You're like, yo, five course, that sounds elegant. That sounds luxury. That sounds good. That sounds like you're sitting here and you ain't paying attention. You're like, okay, is it prime rib? I don't know what the dessert is, but there's probably eight options. I'll eat all eight of them. So really it's a 13 course meal, right? None of it. All of us are like, okay, five course meal screams. I am going to be fulfilled. I am going to be filled up. It is going to be awesome. And it is going to be a very well rounded meal. You know what a five course meal consists of an hors d'oeuvre, which is a light appetizer, a regular appetizer. That's not really a ton, but more than the hors d'oeuvre, then a salad, then a main course, then a dessert. And essentially what it is, is it's this, this idea that after you eat this, you'll have eaten all of what your body needs. And ultimately, you'll be a place of completely full. And I really want to ask us the question. I think when we follow God, there's a level of on the surface, we say, all right, I'm, I'm full of him. Nobody's going to sit here and be like, yeah, I'm really empty of God. We all cry out for fullness. We all want it. But at the same time, what we're talking about is really this lifestyle of creating a disposition that pursues fullness with the Father. That allows our spirits to be saturated with all things Him and His character. So what I want to do is I want to introduce these thoughts. And then we're going to have a little exercise at the end. All right. The first one is this. The five course beer of spiritual fulfillment. The hors d'oeuvres is community. It's people. And here's the deal. What you need to realize is these aren't going to be like tell all things. 
what they essentially are going to be is they're going to be that you're going to see yourself on this journey because essentially what you realize is that it's a progression. You progress all the way up to fullness. But here's what you have to realize is that most of us, we can trace our spiritual journey back to one person. Maybe it's the person who invited you to church today. Maybe it's the person, maybe it was your parents who you grew up in the church. Maybe it's somebody way down, back down the road who brought you in. And then ultimately there was a community that was formed. This is what happened in the book of Acts, is that most of what happened is community, it was a community-based mission where it brought people in community, empowered them, and then sent them out to build more community. Community, community, community. It's a very important relationship. But here's the problem. If you only eat an hors d'oeuvre, you're going to be hungry. It may fill you up for a second, but it will not sustain you. And here's the thing, and I'm going to say this mainly to, I feel like this is a younger person type of thing, is that a lot of the times what happens is we come into community and we really love community and we really love what community does and how community makes us feel and what community does for our souls. However, we never progress past the point of, of being in relationship with people and progress into a relationship with God. I pray that we're not people who we get around Christians and it's really good and it makes us feel good and everything feels awesome because here's the deal. Community is very important, but it can also be very unhealthy if that's the only place that you, that you gain spiritual stability. It's the only place you gain spiritual revelation is if it's just community and there's no other ownership, there's no other activation, there's no other pursuit other than just being around the people and not actually being somebody who can stand on your own two feet. We have to be people who realize the importance of community, but it cannot be the main thing. It, it's a great hors d'oeuvre. It's a great hors d'oeuvre. And a lot of the times, community is what brings people in, but it cannot keep them here because there's a revelation that has to happen. There's a progression that has to happen, which, case in point, we're going from escargos to let's throw up the next appetizer, right? The next appetizer is this. It is basic behavior practicals. Basic behavior practicals. What does this mean? It means that a lot of the times when we come into the, to, to the body, we get around people and we pick up how they function. What does that mean? Right? Nobody's going to walk into a group here and just, you know, just hit somebody. Right? Because there's a socially acceptable behavior in the church as functioning as Christians. And really what I'm saying is this. Basic behavior practicals is when you've been around community so much, all of a sudden when you're getting angry outside of community and you're lashing out, you feel a little prick. Ooh, I shouldn't respond this way. When you're doing something that you know you, that commu the community establishment kind of looks at and is like, I don't know if you should do that. Man, I shouldn't really respond this way. Man, I'm harboring bitterness and unforgiveness. Man, I'm getting a little bit of an attitude with my spouse. Man, I'm really treating this person bad and I shouldn't be. Man, I'm not really loving my neighbor. Man, I really shouldn't say this. Why? Because there's a basic behavior practical. So what happens is, is we come into community and then we start to establish that community's identity. And this is what you see all throughout the book of Acts is that people would come into the community and they would start to ad adapt and they would start to adopt the morals and principles of the community. Now here's the deal. If you eat two appetizers... This can sustain you for a little bit. But at the same time, it can't fulfill you fully. What do I mean by this? Because if all you're doing is functioning based off of how everybody around you functions, that's not ownership. That's not spiritual ownership. 
So the first one, right? We've got this, all right, I'm in community. I'm around people who are good people. I feel good around them. I do good around them. This is awesome. I'm going to adopt how they function. I'm going to start to do kind of the things that they do. This is great. I'm, I'm stoked. But guess what, right? The next step is the salad. The salad. And you know what the salad is? Is The salad is the knowledge and application. Knowledge and application. What do I mean? This is where I would say most of the church functions today, these three things. Because I'm going to be honest, if you have two appetizers and a salad, you can be pretty full. Now, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be hungry soon after because you don't have really anything solid, but you're going to be full. And what do I mean by this? We've started at this place where we're in community. We've started to adopt these basic behavior principles. And then now, knowledge and application is when you are actually present to learn. What does that mean by that? Is when you come to church or when you're in environments, you readily apply the things that are talked about. Today, we're talking about, we're going to get to the main point here in a second, so I'm not going to spoil it. But here's the deal. We're talking about really this lifestyle of fullness. So what this would mean, knowledge and application, is we're hearing, okay, we're talking about fullness, we're talking about knowledge. What do I need to do to get full? What do I need to do to get more knowledge? What do I need to do to get the applicable things into my life? These are things that are going on where we evaluate and we get to this point where we're implementing the things that are talked about, which is, that's how we should function, church, is that when we talk about something that's in the Bible, we should implement it. That's beside the point. But really what I'm talking about is this, right? We're in community. Community's great. We've adopted the basic behaviors of community and Christian community, which is great. And now we're getting to the point where we're really starting to get in environments where we're gaining a knowledge and an application of what that knowledge is. We're gaining a knowledge of, okay, this is how we should do things. This is what the minister talked about, and so I'm going to do this. But at the same time, we've still not gotten to the main course. Because for some of us, we're like, okay, well, you know, if I take a bunch of notes and I look at them throughout the week and I listen to a, a couple podcasts and I got worship going on, that's knowledge and application. I'm doing it. In essence, sure. There's a passage of scripture I want to read, though, in Romans chapter 2, verses 13. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. It's not the hearers, it's the doers. So right now, we're hearing and we're doing, right? We have a little bit of knowledge. We have a little bit of application. But here's where it goes. Is if we sit here and we're in community, and we've got the basic behavior down, and we've got some knowledge and application, but we do not progress into this main course, what happens is, is we plateau. We're not fully nourished, but we're enough to get by. We're not, we're, we've got what we need to get through the day, but not enough to actually really carry us forward. We've got enough to, to kind of sustain where we're at, but not build any endurance or muscle for where we're going. What do I mean? We're getting into the main dish, the main thing, and that's this, right? And this is what I really want to drive home. Your own divine commitment to understanding, applying, and studying the word of God. And this right now is missed everywhere. Why? Because when I say... Do you read your Bible? All you think about is, oh gosh, the 2,000-year-old book. Oh, that doesn't have any meaning. Oh, that doesn't really. And what you have to realize is that the enemy's won the battle if he can get you to believe that. That's, his number one attack is this. You don't need the Bible. You can hear other people talk about it. Your own personal revelation and divine connection to it, you get that on Sundays. 
you know, you're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just get it from other people. And here's the deal. If you cannot stand on your own two feet of activation, participation, and truly walking out spiritual and biblical principles, I'm telling you this. You won't last in faith. You want to go the distance? You want to be somebody who can build the dreams between reality and where you want to be? It's found within the understanding and implementation of what the Bible is and what it means to you. Case in point, right? I know for myself, when I'm going through something, God, what's the story right now that I can read that is very, that is almost the same thing as what I'm going through? Boom, I can think of them. What's a passage of scripture I can read that'll give me strength? Boom, I, isn't it funny that the main course is applied not just to five course meals, but any course? You can go to Applebee's and get a main course because a main course is pretty much drawn up to give you everything you need. You don't need the two appetizers. You don't need all the other stuff. If you get the main course, you're going to survive. And here's what you need to realize. If you have the main course of understanding, applying, and a lifestyle that says, I'm going to pursue a knowledge of God in the Bible, if you have that, I'm going to tell you this, you will be able to be sustained. But these questions that pop into your head, right? And some of us, I'm just going to, I'm going to speak rather freely. When we don't have a knowledge or an understanding of salvation, it's really easy to doubt every week I'm here. Am I saved? Am I committed to the Lord? Am I following him? Is he real to me? Am I in relationship with him? When we don't have a knowledge and revelation of the, uh, of the Bible, it's really easy to just summarize our own existence in moral code and kind of blend the Bible in. But Well, I do this, but I don't do that. Well, I do this, but I don't do that. Well, I do this, but I don't. And it's like, God's like, okay, well, here's the deal. If you do this and don't do that, then you'll build a bridge and rip a board up. Build a bridge, rip a board up. Build it. And it's like, we look at God and say, God, why am I not fulfilled? And he's like, because you haven't eaten of me. You haven't fulfilled your soul with the thing that brings you nourishment. See, I'm going to be honest. My journey in faith is really rooted in this point. When I first started out, I remember, I remember when I first started preaching, there were words I'd just have to Google them because I didn't know what they meant. But I remember a few, probably this is like six or seven years ago when I got this, this plan, which actually, and this is kind of a little plug, is if you're somebody who doesn't know really how to read the Bible or even where to start, there's a plan that this guy, Bob Sorge, came up with, uh, and I've implemented with it, it, it as well, and it's going to be on our website. It's on roadtolifechurch.com grow. But I'm going to tell you this, or not grow, it's the grow tab and then Bible, or you can go roadtolifechurch.com Bible. But I'm going to tell you this, I know, what, if I haven't read in a while, I can tell, I need to go read. I know, if I'm starting to get anxious or worried or something's going on, I know, because here's the deal, when you're eating of the thing that can satisfy you, the things that don't satisfy, you look at and you're like, okay, I, get, I can't eat the stuff that's not so satisfying. I can't get on social media because it's throwing me in a whack. I can't get around this person because they give me anxiety. I can't do this thing because I promise it doesn't contribute to my emotional, mental, or physical health. I, can, I need the thing that will sustain and fulfill. And man, so often it is just so easy for us to be like, okay, well, sustain and fulfill. All right, I'll get around community. Guess what? Over a period of time, community will stop doing it for you. Well, I just need to go to church. I'm going to tell you this. Over time, church will stop doing it for you. What it is is it's a supplementation of all of the things that contribute to fullness. That's it. If we do not have a well-rounded approach of what it means to follow God and we just think, all right, well, if I get around good people, then that must mean I'll, be a good, I'll have a good life. 
Okay, well, if I get around, if I go to church enough, then I'll have a good life. No, if you get around the Holy Spirit and God's word enough, that will ensure you have a good life if you model, implement, and apply it. But there's a reason that this is the main course. It's not my preaching. It's not that really good worship album. It's not one good book we read that one. The main course is the main course. You know how many times God and Jesus point to the fact that Scripture is so important? Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, Blessed are the ones who hear the word of God and keep it. So guess what? If you want to be blessed, which if God's definition of blessed doesn't show up on your Richter scale, it's maybe because you don't understand it. The dude paints his streets with gold. He blessed Solomon so much that he could only store gold. They had a trash pile behind the temple in the book of Kings where they would put all the silver and bronze. They didn't even have room for it. I'm going to tell you this. Blessed are the ones who hear and keep the word of God. This isn't even a financial thing. This is an emotional thing. This is a heart posture thing. This is a physical thing. Because believe it or not, when you read the Bible, you realize it actually applies not just to a religious sense, but a well-being sense. It applies to your communication. It applies to your marriage. It applies to your kids. It applies to your time management. It applies to your priorities. It applies to your dreams. It applies to everything. No wonder the devil wants you to believe that it's not really that important. Because if you believe that, then you'll never be fulfilled. And if you're not fulfilled, you'll walk away. And if he can get you to walk away, he's won. The last thing is this. You know what dessert is? Dessert, right, the, the fun part of the meal is it's the awareness of God everywhere and in everyone all the time. What do I mean by this? When we have, let's start, right? We've got community, basic behavior, right? Knowledge and application. An understanding of the importance and significance of reading God's word and applying it. You put those four things together, I promise you, I promise you, I drive down the road and just feel the Holy Spirit, not listening to worship. And I'll just have a spirit of gratitude. God, I just thank you today for my life. God, I thank you. You've blessed me. God, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that I have no explanation for where I am today other than I've just followed you. I'll be on the practice chipping range, praying out loud. All of a sudden, just feel, get goosebumps on my arm. What is going on? I'm just out here trying to putt. I'll be in the shower. God, thank you so much. I just feel, I'll be laying in bed at night. Hey, Micah, you should read this really quick. Hey, you should reach out to this person and tell them I love them. I'm telling you, when you have the realization that what goes on on Sunday can actually be something that you experience every moment of your day, the fullness of your spirit, you can't even get another spoonful of the world in because guess what? He is satisfied and giving you the nourishment of your spirit. But I'm going to tell you this. It's up to you. It's up to you, church, because, man, a lot of the times it can just be so easy to discount and discredit how important his word is. And I'm telling you this. If you do not place an importance on it, you will never live in the fullness of him. You'll never understand truly what he can do with your life is if you are not rooted like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that yields fruit in all seasons. You ever seen an apple tree producing fruit in the winter here? But God says, listen, if you are rooted in me, 
I'm telling you, church, I pray that we're people who don't discount or discredit the importance of God's word just because we think a thousand-year-old book doesn't apply to us today. It does way more than you realize. The challenge is this, right? We've put together this plan, and I've sent it out for years now to people who've came up to me wondering how to read the Bible. It's three days a week, and it's centralized on this idea that you can transform your life if you will be rooted in that book. You can, but it's up to you. RoadToLifeChurch.com, like I said, there's a grow tab or RoadToLifeChurch.com slash Bible. It will give you a plan. If you commit to doing it three days a week, bump it up to four days, whatever it is. Over the years, I've added 10 pages of a spiritual book, 10 more pages of another spiritual book, 10 pages of leadership development, 10 pages. And I'm telling you, I, I was not a reader. I am dead serious. You want to talk about cliff notes? I am reincarnated cliff notes. But guess what? I noticed, man, this is doing something for my soul. This is doing something for my emotions. This is doing something for my mindset. This is doing something for my relationships. This is doing something for my community. This is doing something in my heart. This is... Let's commit today, church. In closing, I'm going to challenge you guys. They're going to throw up a list of questions. This is a new thing, and here's the deal. I just feel committed today that let's not leave... Just, okay, that was a good message, but let's really reflect and ponder our life. Only time you'll ever hear us as pastors say this, get out your phone, open up a note, and just title it Reflections. And what I want you to do is I just want you to ask yourself some of these questions. I just want you to ask. We're going to set the table for a few minutes where you're just quiet before the Lord, and you just ask yourself, God, how am I doing with these things? And just write down your response. And it might be something we do from now on. It might not. Who knows? But I can tell you this. Let's not be people who hear something and are challenged by it and don't really look within to see if it means anything to us. Because that's not who we are as Christians. A disciplined learner is a disciplined applier. Let's be people who learn to apply. They're going to keep these up. Peter's going to be playing. I want to encourage you. Ask yourself these questions. Write down your responses and your answers. There's notes in front of you as well. You can write down on a piece of paper. Or if you're somebody who really just, listen, I'm not a notes guy or whatever, that's fine. Ask yourself the question and respond honestly. Thank you, church.